Welcome to Think Oral, where we connect the unconnected between oral and physical health. I'm your host, Dr. Jonathan Levine. And I'm your host, Maria Filipova. Let's get at it. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Think Oral Health Podcast. We are excited to bring to you a very important topic today around data interoperability, patient-centric care, and all the connectivity that comes with it. As usual, I'm joined by my conversation partner in crime, the thought leader and innovator, Dr. Jonathan Levine. And I will pass it on to him to tell us about our conversation partner today. Who is our guest today, Jonathan? Well, Maria, great to be here with you. Super excited to bring Dr. Brian Laskin on our podcast, on our Think Oral podcast. And Brian is a dentist by training from Minnesota. He has really gone down the path of a technology entrepreneur for the industry. He is looking to solve some of the biggest problems in dentistry, lack of data accessibility through innovation, education, and really standardizing the industry that needs standardization. He is the author of an Amazon best-selling book, The Patient First Manifesto. And that's something I'd love to jump in on right away to get a, a good understanding of Brian Laskin's mindset and how we can share those thoughts with us and our listeners. So, Dr. Brian Laskin, welcome to the show. Welcome well, thank to the you. show, Brian. Oh, thank you. Thanks. Thank you so much for having me here. What you guys are doing for the industry is fantastic. And yeah, so appreciate you having me and all the great work that you do. It's our pleasure to have you. So let's dig in on Patient First Manifesto. I have that book right on my desk in the practice. Tell us what inspired you to write that book? And, and really, what are the great takeaways from that book? Well, thanks. What inspired me to write the book is that I've been in many different aspects of the dental industry now, from dentists to leading to on the leadership team of a DSO. Like you mentioned, I've scaled different software platforms. I'm involved in standardization. And so I've seen different aspects of the industry. And I had a relatively shocking experience to myself as a clinician where I did a full set of veneers for a patient after, and it's detailed in the book where I had multiple hour-long conversations with the patient's mother crying about her daughter's bulimia, destroying her daughter's, and then she was getting married. And the mother was a hygienist who believed that if you touched a tooth, those teeth would eventually need root canals and then be lost. And cutting to the end of the story, we restored her without preparing her teeth at all, got a beautiful result. And the patient went online to give us a five-star review. And I was, of course, I did all this work. We delivered a ex- beyond excellence, right? And when I read the review, it was like getting punched in the gut. They said, Lake Minnetonka Dental always runs on time and they have the best coffee. And I was like, wow. Well, crying phone calls with her mother didn't make the uh, no. make it. When she, when I handed her the mirror and she was crying with glee about that her teeth were restored, none of that. It's the $80 coffee pot that I bought on a whim at Target that, that made the difference. And I really did a lot of like soul searching and realized that, you know what, that's actually the way people perceive excellence in dentistry 
can be assumed, particularly if you, if you do excellence. And so what the patient first manifesto is about is that we as dental professionals, I believe for altruistic reasons in the service of delivering the highest quality of care, have learned to become desensitized by our patients such that then we ignore what's actually important to them. And what the book spells out is kind of why in detail this is going on. I call it the great disconnect, how to bridge the gap and why viewing your practice from the perspective of the patient is the biggest opportunity that you have to grow your practice. And so we detail out many different versions of that from anxiety and convenience and convenience and the different aspects of the practice that we as dental professionals ignore because we're trying to deliver the highest quality of care and we're busy because we have to desensitize ourselves from our patients. Otherwise, we would have short, miserable careers. But so I think it's important to flex the muscles of compassion mean versus empathy so we can be compassionate with people but not absorb their stress. And that's not something that human beings do naturally, particularly people who are in healthcare. So it's something that's kind of a, that's the uh, long answer to your question about what the book is about. If you expand on that and we think about that, that one patient's experience and we think about our patients in general, isn't it a lot about that patient experience, that patient journey from the moment they call your office to the moment they walk in because they don't really understand the technology the, the amount of effort that goes into, let's say, doing a, a smile, a transformer smile. But what they do understand is how you make them feel, right? That emotionality, all the way from coffee to friendliness, to caring, to follow-up, to closing loops, to your team. So when you really come down to it, would you say that dentistry is a team sport? And the oh, dentist, 100%. Right, and the dentist oh. needs to be that great leader of that team. Absolutely. And everything you said, I would highlight, emphasize, and put exclamations behind. And I would also add, a patient doesn't come to 12 different dental practices and say, well, this dental practice is so much better than that dental practice. But they probably just went to Target, shopped on Amazon, went to Starbucks, and then come to your practice. Right. And so they're not comparing your dental practice to other dental practices like we in dentistry do. They're comparing their experience to every other place they go to on planet Earth. And I hate to tell you, dentists are failing, right? Uh, even if you're the warmest, friendliest, which can overcome a lot, but we yeah. also need to meet patients where they are from, a, from just a consumer perspective. And I know that's kind of a dirty word in dentistry, but, but it's true. If you have people wait for 45 minutes after their appointment time, they don't get that experience anywhere else they go, except for maybe a medical office, which... Dr. Oh, right? you Not went there. Sense. You had to go there on I that. had to go there. I was waiting yeah, yeah, yeah. that that car, uh, comparison will come up. But that's not a positive uh, corollary, no, no, right? No. So yes, absolutely. Warm and friendly wins and leadership. There's And it is a team sport. And that's, I could not agree with that more. Because again, patients, when they come to your office, they're not looking for the dentist to be the ruler of all, right? Usually when the dentist leaves the room, they look at the hygienist and say, do you agree with him or her? And so why not get him or her on your team saying the same thing and, and aligned, right? So I, I totally agree with you. I love that you went there. Could we just pick up on something you said earlier, which is there's assumed excellence in dentistry that patients 
come in and assume that their dentist is going to be exceptional and they're going to do these feats of dentistry to save their smile, save their teeth. On the flip side of that, especially when we think about the dental experience and the healthcare experience, I also believe there is an assumed complexity that we all deal with and take for granted, where in other areas of our life, we would not put up with it, right? There's statistics that show that a third of patients are still asked to bring paper printouts of their medical records, and another third of the third that are asked actually do that, right? And so when we think about the experience across different care teams or the experience of being able to understand your diagnosis, be part of your care team in terms of your treatment plan, we're not there yet. Tell us, first of all, do you agree with that perception that there is this understood, assumed, well, healthcare is complex, healthcare is siloed. Of course, my dentist doesn't talk to my PCP and my specialist and my dental team doesn't talk to the generalist. And how do you connect those two? Do you reconcile them at all? Well, great thought. And this is sort of stream of conscious, but I do believe that in dentistry, we have phenomenal people who care about taking care of patients. And so you have a patient that comes to a dental practice. I'm just talking sort of in in alignment with your question. And they have this sort of horrible operational experience. They Mm -hmm. go back to the dental chair to an experience that hasn't changed since somebody decided to create a dental chair and put a rubber hose in the waters, blood, noise. Hasn't changed much from a patient's nope. perspective. Nope. And they have to reconcile in the brain these people that are caring and loving and doing the best care for me. There must be some limitations to them to be able to make an experience like Target or Amazon and Starbucks. Yeah, that's right. When in actuality, it's really just busyness and lack of a desire to actually make the small changes to create that type of experience because of the disconnect between the dental teams have with even seeing the problem from my perspective. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm afraid of, right? Because the mindset is, I mean, it is what it is. Who would have thought that getting care could be pleasant, not only effective, but God forbid, even joyful, right? We don't associate those experiences with healthcare. And I feel like a lot of our, kind of the expectations have been ingrained. We really don't know any better. We don't expect any better as patients and educated consumers. And I'll tell you, I mean, even we all have our own patient story and patient journey, but dealing with a four and a half kidney tumor and being outside of the medical established standard of care and there's no playbook, a lot of patients find themselves in places where they have to be their own advocates and deal with amazing complexity, even with a pretty scary diagnosis. And so that's kind of where I feel like we have some work to do. And you have been doing that work around data interoperability, connecting the dots. So tell us a little bit about what you're currently working on and the positive signs that you're seeing in that area. I believe that data accessibility, interoperability, patient empowerment are all connected. And again, kind of like with the seeing how patients view dentistry by being in different aspects of the industry, I really believe that to my core, the biggest bottleneck in innovation, the biggest suppressor of quality of care right now is the lack of data accessibility. And what I mean by that is that there's not only do our systems not communicate with themselves, but they don't communicate with medicine and they don't, they're not accessible. The electronic dental record today doesn't even exist, right? There's data points that belong in an electronic dental record that are spread through multiple systems in the average dental practice. 
And so what we're doing is creating standards through the American Dental Association and Dental Standards Institute and the technology through tooth apps to connect all the disparate systems in a meaningful way that's open. And because it's standardized, it's sort of like open for anybody to have comments on, right? And we've aligned the profession on how this should actually function. And then we've built that technology within tooth apps. What does that mean? Everything's simple from when you refer a patient to an endodontist across the hall, typically speaking, what happens today is that endodontist acts like you've that to that patient that they've never seen a dentist before, even if they just came from the dentist, because those they don't have access through electronic dental record. So today within tooth apps, if you don't have to send a referral, you just unlock the electronic dental record for that specialist to have access to all that information, everything, and two-way secure communication. To things that are more complicated, let's say, how do we notify the dentist when you are diagnosed with diabetes? Well, I believe that the electronic dental record and the electronic medical record have been and should remain two separate but interoperable systems. Because dentists don't care if you have a wart and physician doesn't care if you have a cavity, right? So let's notify, let's have the meaningful exchange of information. And so we facilitate that too. And, And then the big one is... Who owns this electronic dental? It's the patient. So let's give patients access and the ability to have permissioning of their entire electronic dental record. We're actually going to have that available by the end of this year. Let me ask you this. First of all, folks, you heard it here. Biggest barrier to innovation is access to interoperable data, period. Exclamation point, underlined, bold. That said, you said something that was really interesting. You believe that medical and dental records need to be separate yet interoperable. I think Jonathan and I have spent quite a few episodes now talking about, at least from my perspective, my vision is my dentist. When I go to my dentist, they to prefer my dentist to be talking to me about my sleep health, my cardiovascular health, my diabetes, and vice versa, the, P- the PCP to know about my caries, especially if I'm a mom high-risk pregnancy mom who is looking to have a healthy pregnancy, information in the mouth could lead to multiples of higher risk of preterm labor. Expand a little bit more on that. Keep it separate yet interoperable. And does the PCP really doesn't care about whether or not I have caries or gum disease? And both of you, so I'm going to toss this over to both you, Jonathan and Brian. This is a big area of discussion where I'm, I have strong beliefs, and I'll tell you why. In medicine, there isn't even the, ideally, everything would be utopian. However, we don't live in a utopian world, right? If you look on their medical side, interoperability has been worked on for about 15 to 20 years, and it's not been executed flawlessly, let's put it that way. Epic systems don't communicate with Cerner, which doesn't communicate with Athena. So they have problems on the medical side that if we bring those over to our industry, that makes no sense. Also, you're talking about a $160 million a year industry in dentistry versus a $4 billion in medicine, which means that we are never, wait, the numbers are $160 billion and $4 trillion. So the, the, we're never going to be as important on the medical side as they are. We're just a pimple on the elephant that's healthcare. And by the way, these systems, how you pay for medical care versus how you pay for dental care, it's completely different. We have different boards. We do completely different procedures. And we are not as fragmented, even though we have a fragmentation within dentistry. We have DSOs 
who don't talk to individual dentists as much, who have FQHCs, universities. These are all separate systems. So aligning our profession is, I think, very important and aligning it in a way that we can do interoperability within our own industry. And then if we look to the medical side, it is so fragmented. We have everything from dermatologists and psychiatrists to all using one system. So I just, so that's the problem, right? The opportunity is because dentistry is a much more defined industry than broader medicine. We can actually create true interoperability that is more significantly valuable than what's been done on the medical side in a way that I think medicine can learn from. And that's what we're really working on. I also feel like if we did attach our medical records and our dental records together, right, we would lose all of the innovation within the dental space because everybody would be innovating on the medical side. But we also don't lose exactly what you're discussing. We can still do, we can still collaborate with our medical colleagues and probably in a more meaningful way because if we have sort of like those defined paths of where we need to connect, then we will have less noise. And if you listen to anybody on the who discusses interoperability on the medical side, that's one of the biggest problems they have is when there's too much information, nothing seems valuable. Let me jump in for a sec. Well, you guys, this is such a great discussion. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, Maria, I love that you brought up the challenges you had when you had your medical issues. And the conclusion you really came to is that we have to be our own advocate. And so if we come from that context and we say to a tech entrepreneur like Brian Laskin, how do we connect the dots of dentistry and medicine with the most relevant data for each party to transfer it back and forth for the well-being of the patient? Brian Laskin says we need to be able to connect these separate disparate type of systems so they talk to each other, right, Brian? And then we say, we're really all saying the same thing. The patient needs to be the advocate, which means the patient needs to own the data. If I go in New York City to NYU Langone and I want to go to an orthopedic surgeon at Cornell, I got to go pick up my MRI disc or my data and physically transfer it over to them. So we know what medicine is facing. And, and I think what Brian's saying is the last thing we want to do is bring those problems at dentistry. I think what tooth apps, and tell us a little bit about this, because I'm so excited about how you're connecting those systems. And even more importantly, within dentistry, how you're looking at the software, the practice management software, and how do we make them better? Because they possibly need some tweaking, right? And maybe even tell us a little bit about the headwinds that you get every single time you try to help these companies improve their systems by APIs and doing the types of things that you're doing in, in your new company. So there's a couple of things for you there to unpack, but let's take them one at a time. I want to first state that I couldn't agree more in the oral systemic uh, integration, like having us work with our medical, our physician colleagues to have comprehensive wellness for the patient is not the problem here. We all recognize that has to happen. What we're discussing is how that is accomplished most effectively, what I would say. And any way we do it is better than the way it's been. Let's put it that first. But within dentistry, what we've done, and to to your point about the practice management software companies, I'll ask this question rhetorically because I've asked it of the people who run the largest practice management software vendors 
and they didn't really have an answer. What is a practice management system? Well, in the 80s, somebody took a paper chart and created a digital version of it. And then because it was on a computer, they were like, well, maybe we can do billing from the system too, right? It's not an electronic dental record. An electronic dental record is actually defined within an ADA standard, it's ADA standard 1084, which I'm actually co-chairing the work group that's redefining that right now. Because things like images, which are probably aren't in a practice management software, treatment plans sometimes are outside, the patient engagement solutions have medical histories and things that are not integrated into the practice management software. So I believe, and, and for those, there might be a lot of listeners that don't realize that on the back end, for an innovative company to integrate practice management software vendor, then you, they have to go through the system that this company has. And they have little toggle switches that they can open up this information and open up that information. And some companies have the headwinds are that they feel like if they open up their systems, that people will leave their systems because they're not competitive. Well, that is pretty much the definition of a monopoly or, or oligopoly in the, in the case of, the, of dentistry. And so what we've done is... Interoperability within our system is the biggest misnomer, right? As long as you stay within our world, well-walled out garden, interoperability is easy. The minute you want to go out of that system, then it becomes tricky. You know, if we expand on our prior conversation... If we're talking about a practice management system or an EMR, you're just going from a small data prison to a large data prison, right? That's right. That's right. What we're doing at Tooth Apps and with the standards is we've defined and externalized those APIs so that anybody can plug into them in an open way and have full interoperability. It doesn't matter if you're a brand new software vendor that's innovative, but you have you you but you comply with HIPAA, you comply with the 21st Century Cures Act, which is all about data accessibility then you're welcome on the platform to do to exchange data. And then we connect all systems, not just a closed system like you were saying, Maria, which is the danger here. If people close things off, it's that's the bottleneck to innovation. That's what decreases the quality of care and the, because we're decreasing the data accessibility. And creates silos and perpetuates these silos that we're looking to break. Let me ask you this. We, we all have built product solutions and tried to scale them and integrate them with pick your PMS or EHR system. In my personal experience, when I did that at one of the largest health insurance companies, we really studied how long is it, what is the impact of that solution, not only in the ability to integrate, but also on the workflow of that user, the hygienist, the dentist, you name it. And so what we saw was that anything, even if it comes to, uh, to as something as simple as a self-service claims processing, claims adjudication system, that frankly gets you paid faster, right? If you're a provider and if you could have an online portal where you could submit your claim, see where the claim is, that's as, as kind of a big of incentive of, of adopting a new solution as it gets in my book, right? We all want to get paid for the work we do. And so when we looked at that solution though, we literally studied the workflow and we counted the number of clicks it takes for a provider to go from their administrative system that they're using to that new solution and to submit a claim. And what we found that every time we eliminated one extra click, likelihood to adopt or use increased by 5 to 10%. And so let's not underestimate the ease of use. Being Integrated in the EH, EHR, the PMS system, is just almost table stakes. 
how well integrated and what does it mean in the workflow is a completely different thing, right? So we're talking about taking an x-ray and the x-ray immediately getting pre-populated into the patient's record and then AI being able to visualize and annotate some of the perhaps lesions or even bone loss these days with some AI companies. So let's think a little bit about, talk a little bit about the importance of one-click easy when it comes to integration. If you study Amazon, like fractions of a second make a big difference when it comes to ease of use. And the example that you gave was great. The example that I like is creating a login for a new application. Oh, When I was a chief innovation officer at a DSO, we had 5,000 employees. That means if we we're going to bring on a new application, that was 5,000 people that had to create a new login every time you wanted to try something. What a massive PETA, right? Yep. So that's one of the things. So having a single login for all of your applications makes it frictionless with one click. You can try out an application. With another click, you can uninstall it, just make it go away. And everything you're talking about, I mean, you could talk from paperless forms to teledentistry visits for triaging emergencies to having people be able to pay their bill via text or online, online scheduling. There's so many different ways that we in dentistry are often, I think if you ask anybody that works in dental practice, what's the number one issue they're having? It's probably something around not having enough great people to work in your practice. Yeah. But yet most practices are forcing their talented professionals to do boring, laborious, mundane things like paperwork that can be automated incredibly easily. Insurance billing can be a little bit like the adjudication that's a broader issue that can't be, in my mind, handled on the practice level. So we're actually working with the largest claims processors via dental exchange on creating standards for around instant adjudication of claims so that we can kind of streamline that process. Because when we're talking about insurance processing, even the dental insurance companies are like, this has to get better. It's a massive pain for everybody right now. I totally agree. It makes it so difficult for the dentist entrepreneur to run a successful business, right? Because uh, what I understand from Dell insurance practices, who their payer mix is a large percentage of the insurance, is the amount of time their admin team has to work with these insurance companies. My practice has always been fee-for-service and allows us to do things that are at some of those highest standards. But if when you're spending so much money on the admin side, and even the opportunity to outsource some of that, the snafus that the insurance companies gives both medicine and dentistry, makes it extremely hard to identify great talent, pay them properly, right? Have the kind of profitability that allows you to have this sustainable growing organization, right? It really comes down to the need to streamline so many of these processes and these systems so that we're not wasting the dollars on things that, that could be so much more efficient and effective. And, and it's so great that your company is working on these things. Tell us a little bit more about, so you have the, the patient portal type of uh, initiative within TooThaps. What are some of the other things, the, the pain points that you've seen as we think about the future of where we need to go to systematize what we do in dentistry? What are some of the things that you've worked on in the past that you see are very effective in the dental practices? Well, great question. Number one, I would go back to what you were saying. Dr. Levine, that the, the number one void we have in dentistry is a void of leadership. So before you do anything, before you incorporate technology, you have to have strong leadership. But from the tooth apps perspective and what we're doing, because we can't automate leadership, 
I would say number one is communication. Having exquisite communication securely with your team is the number one opportunity that I think most organizations have. Being able to, if you're the CEO of a DSO that has 150 locations, being able to send a message and say, hey, we're, we have an emergency meeting about holiday PTO. Everybody check your calendar. Like that does not exist in most organizations. Two, having your hygienist send you a message, the checklist of everything that was discussed before you walk in the room as a dentist. Those, the, both those things are equally powerful. And I could talk about those for a very long time. So handling your getting really strong communication with your team. Cause like you said, dentistry is a team sport. And if you don't communicate with your team, you're not winning the Super Bowl, right? Number two is analytics. I think that the analytics, the insights into business systems in dentistry has been executed incredibly flaw in a flawed manner because we're ignoring in most cases half the equation. Most are looking at the production, new patients, but they're ignoring expenses and how many people are leaving the office. So having a comprehensive analytics system where it makes it quick and easy to look at those metrics that matter, which typically are profitability, net new patient growth, you know, not just new patients, but how many did you lose? How many did you recapture? Case acceptance, where you can see when Dr. Smith is working with John, what's that case acceptance at which dollar volume? So there's some simple metrics. NPS scores, right? NPS score is a great one. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think having those sort of Data doesn't just empower innovation. It also empowers practices too. The two, I would say, major areas of growth, well, three, because you have talked about patient empowerment, giving patients access to their data, and just focusing on the patient experience, communication, and and using numbers, metrics, to actually get the right numbers to grow your practice. You measure what matters. John Doerr said it well. That's it. That's it. We get what we measure. You know, Brian, it's been so great talking to you about all of these things. And I hope, you know, for the young dentists listening out there and the DSOs, it, it highlights the complexity of this industry, the headwinds that are facing the industry and people like you who understand dentistry from a clinician's lens, from an entrepreneur's lens, from the lens of an organizational thinker that says, hey, we got to connect the dots where we can, let's create um, operational excellence. Where we can, let's supplement these software data collection, practice management organizations and companies. And how do we organize that together? And that's amazing that you're working on this. And we're so excited that you've been able to be on the podcast with us. Maria, please share any of your closing thoughts. Love it. Well, I am always excited about the conversations we have here. And I'm even more excited about the continuation of the conversations we start here. I think we planted a lot of seeds around empowered patients, about highly efficient practices and highly efficient interoperable systems. But it's honestly just the beginning of the conversation. And I'm very grateful that Brian is doing the work he's doing to make all this easier. But maybe I will, in the parting thoughts as a last question, Brian, if you have an ask from our listeners who are building solutions, building startups, who are running practices, or even designing benefit plans for their employees or running a health plan or dental plan. What is the one thing that we all could do this quarter 
to take advantage of some of the topics that you were describing and the opportunities that TwoFact has created? That's a great question. I think it's really, I'll go back to where we started. Think about the patient as the center of the universe, not in no other way, because I think that's been missing in dentistry. I think in dentistry, we often are thinking of ancillary issues. But if we're looking at what really helps patients, I say this often, the reason why I love dentistry, I'm so happy that I fell, kind of fell for flawed logic into this profession, is that when done right, everybody wins. And what that means is that when the patient wins, everybody wins. And I think that gets, it's simple, but it gets lost too often. So that, I think that would be my. That's what drives me. I always say, if I was a patient in this situation, what would I want to experience? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that question doesn't get asked enough from the people that service the patients in our industry. Great. On so, that, so good. Yeah. Such a great conversation. Brian, thanks so much Thank for you. being on the podcast with Maria and myself. Thank you, Maria, again. What amazing, a pleasure, Jonathan. Amazing guest. Honor to be here. Thank you for all the great work that you guys do. Thanks, Thanks Brian. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to the Think Oral Podcast. For the show notes and resources from today's podcast, visit us at www.outcomesrocket.health slash thinkoral. Or start a conversation with us on social media. Until then, keep smiling. And connecting care.